0: I think it was 2012, the producers were interested in maybe me spending 30 straight days on a plane. I mean, living on a plane for a whole month nonstop. So January 1, I flew 12 days and 12 nights on a plane nonstop without leaving an airport.
1: This is Up In The Air, a show about travel adventures, frequent flying, and the unique experiences we have along the way. I'm Ian Agrimis, and in this episode, you'll hear about how Tom Stuker overcame a fear of flying, spent 12 nights in a row on a plane, and flew more than 22 million miles en route to becoming the world's most frequent flyer. In a normal year, a commercial airline pilot might fly 450,000 miles. Might. For my guest today, that'd be nothing. In one month, in 2019, he flew 166,000. Tom Stuker runs a car dealership consultancy and travels frequently to meet with his clients worldwide. He's based in Newark, New Jersey, but travels to Australia and Asia several dozen times per year. This pace has earned him a space in United Airlines' exclusive status program called Global Services, a tier of loyalty without any published requirements, which guarantees the airline will do just about anything you ask of them. Beyond the upgrades and special airport privileges, United and Tom have a special relationship as Tom has flown almost 22 million miles on their planes. And that's button seat miles or BIS, as you'll hear Tom call it. I spoke with Tom and his friend Jason Divineer, a fellow global services and multi-million miler on United during a rare moment when they were both on the ground to hear where Tom is at on his way to breaking 22 million.
0: I'm going back to Mexico this coming Sunday. But I think the round trip is going to still leave me short about a, a thousand or two. So when I, I, I have no specific flights planned, uh, well, I actually have another trip in in September back to Mexico and, and but I probably will be flying somewhere before then to officially hit the twenty two million.
1: OK, well, wow. well, obviously all you're flying has earned you. Uh, quite a few titles and a lot of recognition among the frequent flying community and just in mainstream media too, which is interesting. But I think perhaps some of the most interesting, from my point of view, is that uh, United actually named a plane after York too—a um, seven forty-seven and a a triple seven. And what was that like for you to have to have that happen? At least the first time. Well, the
0: first time was um, it, it, it was very humble. It was, it, it was a great honor. Uh, They told me it was the first 777 that that United received that they put my name on. I flew on it once, didn't even know I was on it. It was uh, an anniversary trip my wife and I took to London. Didn't know we were on it until um, after the trip. But uh, I I did spot it one time in Washington, D.C. with my son. They brought us on the tarmac back in the day when you could go on the tarmac. And we had a nice photo op with the plane. So that was really cool. It was only supposed to be on there for, uh, I think six months or something, but they, they left Mm. it on there for two and a half years. So that was pretty cool. You know?
1: Yeah. And then of course the 747, which had your name as well, but I think I did a little bit of research on the tail numbers and it looks like neither of the, well, obviously the 747s aren't, aren't flying with United anymore, but it looks like the, the triple seven has been scrapped as Uh, well.
0: I mean, Soon I'll be scrapped. Who knows? But, uh, (laughs) <laughs> um, the, 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 uh, the 747 was really, really cool because, um, they did that. They presented that, that plane at my 10 million mile party. Um, you know, Smyzek brought me over to the window at the club where they were celebrating the party and they had, uh, they, they literally rolled the, the plane right up to the window and for everybody to see. I mean, it was really, really, really nice. I mean, the 10 million mile party was probably the most fun time, probably the most fun time I've had on the ground with United. I'd probably say the most fun time I had in the air was when they retired, uh, when they flew the last 747 on that flight from San Francisco to Hawaii. That was my most fun flight ever because it was a five and a half hour uh, happy hour as soon as the plane took off, were you on that flight?
1: So I wasn't on that flight, but I, on this podcast, I like to do a segment called explain that grand okay. where I go through your Instagram and I pick okay, a photo that okay. I assume has a story behind it. And I happened to pick the photo that you post one of the photos you posted from that flight. So I'd love, I'd love to hear more about
0: well, it. I, I want to tell you that was, like I said, it was my favorite, my most fun flight ever. First of all, there was an awful lot of people. I know a lot of frequent flyers, that were on that flight that, that I was able to uh, enjoy time with, um, it was a nonstop party. As soon as the flight took off, everybody stood up, stood up on the whole entire flight. They only sat down for like 15 minutes when they threw the tray down. People sat down, scarfed up their food, and they were standing back up. When they announced, and again, everybody stood for five and a half hours, no, Nobody cared about the movie or the halfway to Hawaii contest. Right. Nobody cared about any of that stuff. So what they did was um, when they announced that we'll be landing and everybody had to get in their seats, I've never seen a whole plane boo that much. Everybody goes, go around <laughs> one more time, go around. Uh, I mean, Jason was on that flight. I mean, and, and I mean, and so he could tell you the same thing. But um, it, it, it was fantastic. A, a good friend, Zach... You know from from uh you know um zach the points with, guy right yeah the points guy i mean zach was on it with his dad so i mean it was it, it was really cool to be able to celebrate it with so many people i know from flying it, it was an honor of course it was nice to see oscar he was on the ground in um san francisco wasn't able to to go on the flight but came on a temporary oscar munoz yeah, the, the ceo yeah, came on temporarily to wish everybody great flight it was neat to see the flight attendants in, in the old uniforms, the Hawaiian uniforms, the, uh, you know, whatever they were. But uh, it, it, it was such a fo- nine, five and a half hours nonstop. It was just great.
1: That's amazing. So, yeah, Jason, you said you were on the flight as well. And maybe for people who aren't as familiar with what the significance of this flight was, if you could kind of explain why it was so exciting and important.
2: Uh, sure. So, First off, we have to thank my wife for getting Tom on because uh, Tom, when the tickets went on sale, uh, Tom was sleeping in Australia and I couldn't get a hold of him. So I booked two tickets for my wife and I up in the first class cabin. And then when he woke up, the tickets were all sold out. And he's like, oh, my gosh, you got to get me on that. I'm like, well, talk to my wife. So she was uh, <laughs> nice enough to give up her seat. And uh, and Tom was able to enjoy that. But yeah, thank
0: you. Morgan. Um, thank you, Morgan.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a really significant flight because that 747 flight was the same as the first flight they ever flew on the 747, which was San Francisco to Honolulu back, uh, what 30 back in the seventies. Um, so it was really neat when you got on, there was a gift bag at every seat with, uh, cool candies from the seventies, uh, like a, a custom, glass Coke bottle commemorating it a gold coin. Um, it wasn't gold. Sorry. It was a, like a challenge coin from United. And then there was a challenge coin from Pratt Whitney, who's the engine manufacturer. Um, the menu was printed really nicely. It was, uh, a lot of thought had gone into this fight. Clearly. They even loaded up a bunch of the movies from the seventies on the inflated entertainment, which I thought was just oh, cool. a nice touch and a lot of work. Not that anybody was watching movies because like Tom said, we were up in, in our seats just talking and having a great time. They had their head chef uh, come on board, so he was wearing his little mm. chef hat and walking around and talking to everybody. And you know, we were able to tell him what we liked and didn't like about all the in-flight meals for, for you know, the whole, the whole shebang. Um, but the the meals were great. Um, the flight attendants had um, there well, they were working flight attendants, and then they brought on like six or seven other flight attendants who were in uniforms from that they borrowed from the Smithsonian, so actual uniforms. From the time when the, the 747 wow. uh, got... Yeah, so I think they had to find a specific like a flight attendant that would fit into each because they weren't making new ones, obviously. They were all very old and um, had to be
1: careful with
0: it. I think the Mai Tais came from the S- Smithsonian, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> obviously, and sorry, Jason, to kind of neglect you a bit at the beginning, but you've, you've both uh, flown quite a bit and you're, you're part of what United calls their global services program. We can't ignore the movie up in the air and the character Ryan Bingham played by George Clooney, basically a character loosely based on people like you who fly millions of miles uh, over the course of their flying life. What do you think of it?
0: Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, I I, got to say thank you to United for giving me the only titanium card that was ever given to anybody in any airline. So that was pretty cool. They did that at the 10 million mile party. But the thing about the movie that people like jason and i get a big kick out of is like uh, come on uh, first of all a uh, sh- uh, 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 flight that goes from you from omaha nebraska a uh, non-stop to tulsa with champagne uh yeah that's not happening so sure i mean all, all those first of all george clooney could have never done that agenda because it would have been double connects through um DFW, and the, uh, both flights would have been American Eagle, and he would have quit his job after the first week.
1: Sure, that's a great point. Uh, I mean, uh, Tulsa's not a hub for any airline, is it?
0: No, 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 it wasn't. Right. It, he lived in Omaha, and Omaha. every single, every single one. And first of all, what is George Clooney doing living in Omaha, right? right. <laughs> and, and and so every one of his flights showed a nonstop fifty-seven. Uh, to to straight to Detroit, straight to Tulsa, straight to to uh, St. Louis. And no, everyone was American Eagle double connect and no champagne because of the dur- short duration of this flight.
1: Well, the other thing about the movie that drives me nuts as a mile and points person is there's kind of this disconnect between what he's trying to achieve. And obviously there's that scene where he's with Anna Kendrick and he explains what he's going for and how he never makes a single purchase unless it somehow pads his credit card balance but then he's also talking about how he's working towards earning 10 million miles and i think the movie kind of leaves it ambiguous as to whether he's actually flown that many or earned them through credit cards or or other or if it's some combination of the two it drives me nuts
0: yeah, you'll, you'll earn them with credit cards. I mean, there's guys that were earning 4 million miles a year just on credit cards and never fly, so or, or rarely flying. So right, right. it was a, a whole different program.
1: So Yeah, that's really interesting. But obviously, why I think so many people find your accomplishment so impressive is these are 22 million button seed miles, <laughs> uh, which obviously kind of puts Ryan Bingham to shame.
0: I got an interview on 2020, and the reporter says, what do you think about the guy that played you on the movie? And I said they could have got a better looking guy. You know.
1: <laughs> well, let's let's briefly talk about coronavirus's impact. It's not it's not fun to talk yep. about, um, but obviously, neither of you are traveling as much as you as you were, um, myself included. And um, I read that Tom, this is the first time this period of time uh, allowed you to spend two weeks at home for the first time in forty five years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Two week, first time, two weeks at home for 45 years. So that was a little uh, odd because when I first started flying 100 years ago, I had a terrible fear of flying. And then hmm. I then I accumulated a fear of being on the ground. So uh, <laughs> uh, I because I, I, I like being up in there. I really love flying.
1: Yeah, and so what else has changed for you during this period of, of flying less?
0: In the first week or two, I what are they, a couch chunky or what do they call those? Uh,
1: couch potato. Uh,
0: couch potato, yeah. And so I think I put a couple pounds on, and I go, wait a minute, this could get real ugly if I'm on the ground long. So I decided to kind of reverse roles. I focused on my health. I've always said, you know, if I ever get the time, I'm going to do this. If I ever get the time, I'm going to do this. So I focused on my health. I, I dropped 54 pounds. Wow. Um, I, w- I went from 266 down to uh, 212. And I really focused on my health. I I, I walk instead of setting million mile records on flying. I walked a million steps in July. And, wow, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, I I said with all with all the flying I didn't do, I, I think I started getting some ugly emails from the people at Bacardi saying, "My dad lost his job because you're not flying anymore." You know, so. <laughs>
1: So I guess we know what your favorite in-flight drink is now.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, (laughs) it's fine. But you know what? People say, well, it's hard to lose weight when you're flying, but you know, skinny people fly too. It's all a matter of choices. And when I do get back in the air more regularly, and I hope that's very soon, I probably won't have that third salmon roll or that fourth garlic bread or, I mean, so... I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna make much better choices now that I've decided to be much healthier. So,
1: well, I was gonna say because you're kind of a special case study almost because of how much time you spend on planes. Um, I was gonna ask if you had noticed any significant mental or physical changes, but obviously, you'd lost losing a lot of weight is a is a big one. Um, because, I mean, those meals they've gotten, I assume, quite a bit better, especially over the period of time that you've flown. But even the amount of time that. I've really gotten into the hobby. They've gotten much better and more, more diverse. Um, But that's, that's awesome to hear that, that you have uh, gotten, gotten a bit healthier, I suppose you could say.
0: No, I got a a lot healthier because, you know, I've, I've had a motto. I want to stay alive to 25, right? You know, I I, I, want to hit 25 million. I don't, I think, well, obviously I have a streak of uh, a million BIS that, it was like my fifth year in a row of a million BIS or more. I mean, last year I did one point five. I did 1.5 million BIS. I'll never, never, never do anything crazy like that again. I don't know if I'm going to fly a million again because my priorities mm. have changed. I don't know if I'm going to bounce around the world as much like crazy trips like I've done. I'm going to spend a little more time domestically visiting family and friends I haven't seen for a while and i've got some projects I, I can't wait to get back to australia if they could ever let us back in cuz yeah. i i have a lot of business ventures in australia that i really need to tend to so
2: yeah you know well, i want to i want to jump in real quick every so for the past 5 years he's been um he's been saying oh i'm never going to fly that much again cuz he's beaten 1 million bis per year but every year he beats himself and he's done it for 5 years in a row so when he says i'm never going to fly 1.5 million again i think that that may be not true, especially as you're, you're getting closer to, to 25. You're going to be like, oh, I'm going to fly two this year. I, I can totally see you trying to do that next year.
0: Oh, I don't know. I think that's insane. I mean, at 1.5 million. And
2: 1.5 isn't insane?
0: Yeah, Well, yeah, it is. But, uh, uh, you know, I just there, there's so many things I want to work on, so many things I want to see. I, I'd like to fly a million miles a year again. Because uh, I'd like to get to 25 while I'm alive, you know. And once I hit the 25, uh, people say, "You're gonna, are you gonna retire flying?" I said, "No, there's always 26." You know.
1: So I mean, just a couple stats here from yeah. what I gather. I mean, yeah. you've you've flown, like you said, five, you're 5,000 miles short of 22 million. Yeah. Last year, at one point, it seemed like you you flew a million miles. When you did 1.5, you must have you flew a million miles from January to July.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I I know I hit a million miles, uh, two different million milestones last year.
1: Yeah, my math is correct, that's 166,000 miles a month.
0: Yeah, pretty close to that, I think. Is is that what it comes to? No, wait a minute. 166, is that right? No. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it is.
1: And so I also read that you've flown more miles than the space shuttle Atlantis, and you've been to Australia more than 360 times
0: yeah yeah but I mean so, it's it's worth going to
1: <laughs> I've been a couple times I, I proposed to my wife there I love Australia So yeah. I agree with you
0: I probably see more I probably see more of Australia than 95% of Australians I believe that yeah so
1: in one sense this is a very basic question but like how did you start flying so much kind of give us the background on what what even raised this demand of you
0: well yeah, okay let's try to keep this really short I started my training company in 1980. In 1984, I was um, it was 84, yeah, 84. I think it was I was invited to be a speaker at the national convention for auto dealers down in New Orleans. And at the convention, I was rated the number one speaker, and I got an awful lot of attention. And there was a large group from Australia. They came to my booth and says, "When are you coming to Australia?" I said, "When are you inviting me?" And they said, "You're invited." And so I started going to Australia in '84, and so I mean, when you go three hundred something times, that does rack up a, a bunch of miles just going back and forth to Australia. So '84 is when I started flying. So
1: okay, Jason says he's got a I, uh, fact check here. Uh, yeah,
2: in the uh, fact check portion of your show here, the uh, Space Shuttle Endeavour, which is the youngest space shuttle, has flown one hundred twenty-two million eight hundred eighty-three thousand and one hundred and fifty one miles, so much, much further than Tom, which makes sure. sense considering it flies at seventeen thousand five hundred miles per hour.
1: It does make sense. It, yeah, it makes a, a lot the, of sense. So thank the, you for fact checking that.
0: Oh those astronauts are, those astronauts are a bunch of show offs.
1: Tom actually I don't want to cut you off. You were starting no. to tell us why you how you got, got going.
0: I was flying mostly domestically for my clients, but we expanded into Australia and, and then uh, Asia, we started doing training in Asia and some, some Europe, uh, a lot of Canada. So, um, and, and then when I started flying like crazy, I started wanting to explore the world. So, um, man, I, I you know, at 20, about 24, 25 years ago, I, I met the love of my life. I mean, the, the final, final love of my life. Right. <laughs> and, um, so we go on, we go on about a dozen, honeymoons a year we go cruising a couple times a year on nice cruise ships around the world we we literally go around the world having honeymoons and that's that's, amazing that's what's made the relationship so perfect for 25 years is honeymoons all the time
1: how quickly do you fill a passport
0: um i've gone through about four or five of them um what happens is the stamps get so Thick on the back, it creates a crust that just falls off, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of gross looking, you know. But uh, um, but I got to tell you, the best place to get a passport is in Hawaii. Oh, you, you, huh. you, you, you go there. There's no lines because, you know, the Hawaiians, they don't travel as much. I mean, you live in paradise. Who wants a passport in Hawaii, you know. but So you don't I, have two? No, I, I go to. But, you know, the thing is, I go through a passport. And I, I've had my new passport for about a year and a half, but uh, I've been pulled over in a couple of countries because they said it's worn out and it needs to be replaced. Because when they swipe, 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 swipe every time I go into a country or come back home, oh. they, they, they said the magnetic strip is is worn out, for, and it's only been a year and a half. So next time to Hawaii, time to get another passport just so that it could swipe in other countries. You know,
1: have you you must have been pulled pulled aside and questioned for your frequent your trips to certain countries
0: oh yeah customs i mean i've done some crazy mileage runs where i've just flown just just to take my friends you know we'll we'll, you know just go to germany we'll go to we'll go to frankfurt for two or three hours and then come right back just for a mileage run just to do something crazy so i could rack up the miles you know because i want to knock off another million you know so I'll, i'll go to frankfurt and then I go, excuse me, where's where's the where's the Newark flight? And they go, where did you come from? I go, uh, Newark. They go, where are you going, Newark? They go, no, where are you going, Newark? I said, is English a problem for you here? Oh
2: my gosh. Tom's Tom's well loved in other countries sometimes. Uh, One day we decided to spend a few days and I I made up this charitable fundraiser to raise money for um, animal shelters in the area. And I had people sponsor me on how many thousands of miles I could fly in an 80 hour period. So Tom and I went together and we flew, what did I fly? LA to Chicago, to London, to DC, back to London, to Chicago, to Tokyo, back back to Chicago, back to... LA all in 80 hours. And I raised, you know, a couple thousand dollars for uh, an animal shelter, which I thought was kind of a, a neat way to
1: 31,000 miles. Right. in eight yeah. hours. yeah. Yeah. You, you did your research.
0: Well, the, the, the longest mileage run I did was, well, I, I think it was 2012 because it was right after I, I, I did this TV show, which again came from my exposure on United that car rescue on, on spike years ago. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, The the, the producers were interested in maybe me spending 30 straight days on a plane. I mean, living on a plane for a whole month nonstop. And um, so I literally started January 1. I flew 12 12 days and 12 nights on a plane nonstop without leaving an airport. Oh, my God. And I I flew 100,000 BIS by the 12th. BIS, not eqm or pqm or whatever they are yeah right because you get bonuses yeah about a hundred thousand bis by the 12th of january so what do you use to
1: track your uh your flights i suppose Uh,
0: i i leave that up to united i trust their numbers and i i i do check my uh i check my account to make sure the flights are posted and i got the appropriate miles and stuff like that but i've never been a a chart guy and just mm-hmm. logging it. Now I'm old school. I got one of those old staple calendars. Yes, I'm not a Google calendar person. And Jason's <laughs> Jason still rips me about being from the oh, 1960s or something. I, I still I have mean, my this staples. Guy's
2: calendar. Carrying around a notebook. This guy's carrying around a notebook with every freaking PNR in it. And like, I think you lost it once, and your life was pretty much over, right? I mean, but well, let's talk about how old school you are. So, before you were talking about your passport and how you wear it out so quickly, and and I met Tom in 2012, and I've been saying for a very long time, hey, you need to get global entry. And Tom, for some reason, just thinks I'm an idiot or something, but he doesn't listen to me, and he has been going through regular customs. don't have global entry. Well, when did you get global entry, Tom?
0: Uh, Probably about three years ago. Oh my god! I, I, uh, three I, years? I, I, oh I, I, no! I,
2: try like a year and a half ago. No,
0: no. So when
2: we come back, oh, it was my life changed because every time I've come into a country with you or we come back from a, a trip, I have to wait in the normal line with you because you can't go through global entry.
0: Yeah, but you know what? Before I got global entry, thank you very much for pushing me in that direction. But before I did, I, 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 I was always the first person off the plane anyway. And I would I'd run like a banshee and I would I, I would get through customs. Oh the only pain in the ass, the only pain in the ass was Washington, D.C. You'd get through you'd get
2: through customs. Yeah, but we'd be the first off the plane. But we're at the end of two other planes that just unloaded from, you know, India or whatever. So there's 600 people in front of you.
0: Yeah. So when I finally got global entry and I went through the first time, I'm going, oh, my God, why didn't I do this earlier?
1: Sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a big so told you so moment for me.
1: Let's just get back to the fact that you spent 12 days in a row on a plane or I suppose briefly in an airport as well.
0: That's a lot of cheese omelets.
1: So, I i mean, how did you I suppose you loved it, uh, otherwise you wouldn't have done it.
0: Oh, I got a I I I got a big kick out of it because, you know, I mean, first of all, I fly first class. Back then, it was all three class cabins. I'm laying it in a nice, very comfortable first class suite on United. Pillows. If it's not champagne, it's a Bacardi. I'm, I'm eating well, watching movies, and catching up on all my writing because I love to be writing at forty thousand. Feet. I get very creative when I'm up in the air. Nobody disturbs me, and I, I have great creative juices that flow at forty thousand.
1: I'm the same way. I, I, in fact, I I try to avoid buying the in-flight internet, just for that reason that nobody that way nobody bothers me. But yeah. what year was this?
0: What year? I think it was two uh, two thousand twelve. I think.
1: Okay, so they had the flatbed sleeper seats by oh, then. Oh
0: yeah. Oh my God, yes. And when they first came out, uh, it was holy moses it's just unbelievable uh because I, I flew a lot of in that 47 with the with what i call the three-quarter seat you know and where they're kind of just three-quarter down but not flat
1: so oh sure angled, angled life flat
0: yeah now i'm gonna i'm writing a book in the next 12 months i'm gonna finish a book it's all gonna be on all my stuff i have no idea what the name of it is and one chapter is gonna be all the celebrities that i ran into and there's piles of stories about all the celebrities I've run into, so.
1: I've, I've seen a few. Bill Murray, for example, Steven Tyler, I believe. Yeah,
0: yeah. Stephen Tyler, Nicest. I'm sitting on a 47. You know how it is with four rows and the two seats in the middle. Mm-hmm. And this is the old 40, 47 on the way to Australia. I got Stephen Tyler in Fort Charlie next to me. I'm in Fort David, and right across the aisle is Joe Perry. And I had the greatest time just shooting us the whatever it is with them for about six or seven hours. Uh, you know, they're both recovering, so there's no drinking. Uh, I mean. I mean, here I am in the middle of them, probably driving them nuts with my Bacardi's and uh, <laughs> but they're the nicest guys. And when they flew, the, their whole entourage was not allowed to drink at all. So hmm. s- saved United a lot in the liquor bill.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Well, it, so so what is your stance on talking with people uh, on, on a plane? Well, let's say somebody somebody wants to talk to you. Obviously, you fly all the time. So what how do you feel about that?
0: Well, God, probably double standard because I engage a lot of people next to me, but at the same time, early on, when I was left alone, if somebody said, because what do you think the two or three most popular questions people ask each other on a plane? Hey, where are you from? What do you do? You know, so, yeah. uh, you know, so I, I would make up a, a town in Montana And when they say, what do you do? I say, I don't mean to brag, but I'm the vice president of the Mr. Potato Head. I said, are you familiar with our product? You know, and so I said, oh, we we got a really new thing. Oh, I'm glad you asked, because we got a new product coming out. It's got the cooties on it that you'll just love. I mean, it's the best potato head we've ever made. Your kids are going to love it. Let me tell you (laughs) a little more. Next thing you know, the guy puts his headphones on. He's reading a book and I'm happily ever after. Right.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a perfect strategy I've heard, I've heard a couple other accounts of people who travel a lot who who have kind of their go-to uh farce uh for their what for the what they do question which kind of shuts up the neighbor real quick no <laughs> that's a great I, one
0: I, but when people snore see I, I've got a perfect thing to get people to stop snoring on a plane because when it bothers everybody I had three different levels of course it's more back in it remember back in the day when they had the Fourteen different channels that you used to, you know, click all the different fourteen channels on the, the
1: radio channels?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it went it went one to fourteen, right? Sure. no and nine was the pilots and all right. that stuff. That yeah, so, was really cool. So typically the people that snore are heavy set like I was still working on, okay. <laughs> but when I'd have a snore next to me, I I would do. There was three different things. First of all, I would do the the real loud clap right in front of his face, and then it would wake up. And I'd say, "Got it, got it!" Oh, this fly was bugging the hell out of me. You know, he was on your nose all during your sleep. But I just, <laughs> I, but but I got it. So we're good, you know. And, and now he's up for a while, right? <laughs> now, the, now the, the the next the next level is when I would make sure, because most of them all wore their headphones, so they had their headphones on. I would look at what channel, what number they had, and I'd put my headphone on the same number, and then I would press the volume full blast. And next thing you know, at the very second, this guy's going like, what the hell's going on? I would go. What the hell's going on? I said. <laughs> I said. Did you did you hear that in your headset too? I mean, all of a sudden, I got this blast. This louder than, or louder than hell blast. You too. You got it. What the hell's going on here, right? <laughs> so that woke him up. But the best, the best one of all, the best one of all is when I get a guy that's really snoring so bad it's bothering the whole first class cabin. So I go around the first class cabin. I said. Is everybody bothered by this snoring? And everybody goes, yes. I said, I'm going to put an end to this, but what I do is going to be our secret for the rest of our life. Is that clear? Right? (laughs) So what I would do is, here's this guy quietly asleep. I would grab him by the shoulders and shake the hell out of him. And he's waking up ready to punch me in the face. I go, are you okay? Are you okay? Oh, my God, are you okay? And he goes, what, what, what? I go, man, you stop breathing, man. You stop breathing. You scared me. You scared me. I said, oh, I thought you were dead, man. Don't do that. Don't do that. You scared me, All right? So oh, my gosh. For, so, yeah, so for the rest of the flight, this guy's standing up. Full, full, Yeah, he's not going back up. to sleep. No, he, he's staying up the rest of the flight. He's going, <sighs> 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 I mean, he's just breathing. Meanwhile, I put my seat back and I'm going. <clears throat>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. <laughs> or it backfires
2: and then they have a medical emergency and make you land in, in uh, Tahiti or something.
0: Uh, oh, my oh gosh. No, yeah. No, you know, but, you know, I, I had one of my trainers was with me on the way back from Australia and and I had a chest pain. But I knew it wasn't a heart attack. It was just a muscle contraction. I've had him before. But he gets he gets all upset. He he gets drama and he goes to the flight attendants. He goes, My my boss is having a heart attack. My boss is having a heart attack. Mm. So the flight attendant said, he says, uh, would you like us to land in Hawaii? I said, No, that would give me a heart attack. I said, I'm I I'm good. I'm good. But you know what, I, I gotta give props to Jason. Jason's an EMT and then some and I've been on flights with him. I, I gotta say, no less than six or seven times, where Jason is pulled aside to help save someone's life. And I could probably count two or three wow. lives. He's pro- he, two or three lives he's probably saved. And the rest, he's been sitting next to him for six or seven hours of an international flight, giving up his movies, giving up his food, giving up his relaxation. And uh, unfortunately, all the airline gives him. And you have to ask for it, by the way. Hmm. Is a hundred and and fifty dollar travel sir, and that's that's my biggest that's my biggest pet peeve.
2: Yeah, my favorite gift. I I had helped someone for hours, um, where I was kneeling on the floor in the galley, and you know the wow. beginning of the flight I had asked for water, and I said you know can I have the bottle because I'm really thirsty, and she's like oh I can't give you the bottle of water, but you know I'll, I'll be happy to refill it as often as you want. And I'm like hmm. yeah okay fine. I mean you're global service, you're in first class, they won't give you a bottle of water. Me- Yeah. Meanwhile, let
0: me keep on trying to save a passenger's
2: life. Yeah. Right. So they, they call a medical emergency and, and for whatever reason, I'm sure doctors are on board, but they never want to, they never want to raise their hand and help. Maybe it's liability. I don't know, but I always do. And, you know, I spent a few hours with this person until we land. I think we landed in Detroit. We were going to, it was an international flight. We were flying from Europe to Chicago, but we ended up uh, diverting to Detroit for this and, you know, Per- the patient gets taken off. We continue on to Chicago, and when I'm walking out the door, the flight the purser goes, and I really want to appreciate I, I appreciate your service and everything you did for us. A, a little token of uh, appreciation. Don't tell anybody that I gave you this. And he, he takes out of a bag, and I thought it was going to be a bottle of wine, a one liter bottle of Dasani, and hands it to me. Oh <laughs> man! Because I had been asking for water when we took off, and wanted a bottle. Yeah. So I got a, a God, liter buddy. of uh, a a liter of Dasani, which is like like sewer water. I mean, uh, <laughs> what's,
0: a, man. what's that? Now I don't feel too bad when they said, is there a doctor on the, on the board? And I rang my call button. They go, are you a doctor? I said, no, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, you know?
2: Which everyone loves in a medical emergency yeah. for you to do that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Sorry. Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah, it is. It is strange that I'd say I'd say like one out of every six international flights I take, there's some type of medical emergency. And statistically, there's a medical emergency on one out of every 600 flights. So I, I don't know if it's just because we're doing longer range or what, but uh, it does happen quite a bit.
1: I mean, you've obviously just said so, but what's what's perhaps some of the most dire circumstances you've been in during a flight that's had to be diverted be, for a medical
2: emergency? Oh, we done uh, I've done CPR then um, uh, I had one woman who had uh, started off in in Eastern Australia or sorry excuse me Western Australia she took a Virgin Atlantic or a virgin um, Australia flight over to Sydney and then continued on and United from Sydney to San Francisco and she was unconscious at part of the flight and so they came over thinking like is she dead or whatever and uh, she was very very obese and and um, was clutching her dead husband's ashes and her daughter was like, oh, oh well, she's had, uh, her heart has stopped eight times in the last two years. And I'm like, what is she doing on an airplane? Like, right? And she's like, oh, on our last flight earlier today, this happened too. And she was unconscious. They had to land early. And I'm like, again, what is she doing on this airplane? But, sure. you know, in those situations, it's difficult because you're, you only have a limited amount of uh, medical supplies on an airplane. And mm-hmm. some of the baselines that you need to get right away is like pulse ox, uh, you know, how much uh, oxygen is in your blood, what your blood pressure is. And she was so obese that their blood pressure cuff wouldn't fit over her. And without hmm. being able to get a reliable blood pressure, I can't give her any medications because I need to know, is it really high? Is it really low? Is she hypovolemic? You know, if she's really low, you don't want to give her medications. That's going to be like a, a vasodilator and, and make her blood pressure bottom out even more. Cause that's bad, but they couldn't do much. Right. But I was trying to MacGyver like this kids one and the adult one together to try to make it work and you know I couldn't but I ended up just sitting next to her in economy for eight hours holding a defibrillator in my lap just in case her heart stopped but you know she was unconscious the whole time and there were like no one could move her or anything um so that that wasn't a
1: very fun flight
0: I've had I've had five different flights where someone passed
1: oh wow what's the procedure like when that happens
0: um well, on the last one, it was a flight from Narita to Chicago, and we diverted into Anchorage mm. to have the bo- the body uh, taken off the plane. Mm. But uh, a, a lot, uh, some of them, they just wait till you land because sometimes you don't they don't they don't know somebody's past. They think they're sleeping, so when it's time to wake them oh. up to, to to land, it sometimes doesn't work out that well. Oh my gosh. Uh, one one in particular was very very i i knew the people i mean i uh. i didn't know them i met them before we got on the flight in the first class lounge in la on the way to to uh australia it was their 25th wedding anniversary uh, i probably don't want to tell the story it it just it was really really the the saddest flight i've ever ever been on so
1: oh man yeah that sounds yeah. pretty terrible that
0: yeah, was it, it was bad. so but i mean it it yeah, I mean, with all the flying I do there's a percentage that says it might happen to me on a flight because mm-hmm. of all the time I'm in the air. It just you gotta go sometime somewhere and it happens
1: yeah so, you know? I mean kind of speaking to that point, I mean you're both you're on the plane so much I mean perhaps there's a perverse part of you that kind of hopes for something strange and uncommon to take place to shake it up a bit. Not Jason is shaking at all. his head knows. Not, no, not not
0: no, nope, no, those yeah. are strong notes. no, nope, just let me give me my glass of wine. Or let me watch a movie and let me rest in peace because I don't need drama. I mean, and I've seen some really crazy, crazy stuff. I mean there was uh, 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 God this was about a year or two ago coming out of you know back and forth to Australia. I got so many Australia stories right but there was there was there was a couple that had to be in uh, had to be ninety if they were a deck, right? And here it is, like 11, 10.30, 11 o'clock in the morning, they're on the they board of flight, and they were totally trashed, trashed, hmm. both of them. And, they, and on top of that, they were drinking a couple more drinks before we took off. And then before dinner, they were, they were smashed I yeah. mean, beyond, beyond. Now, I went to take a nap. When I woke up, there was three flight attendants wearing hazmat suits. Three flight attendants wearing hazmat suits. I thought I was on an ET thing, you know. Uh, I, I, I oh thought God. it was radioactive. I, I I had no idea what was going on, but apparently the old guy got sicker than sick, and then oh. I mean, and so, so they met it. They medicated him somehow, and then and then the the the, the 91, 92 year old woman, she falls asleep and she starts screaming in her sleep. She goes, "Mommy, mommy." Oh now, my God. That's, gosh. that's uh, freaky. That's Mommy would have been 125 years old, you know. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that, uh, yeah, there's some strange stuff. So, no, the less drama, the better for me. Right.
1: So, you've never been in a crash or a runway. What do they call that? A, ru- a runway, runway excursion? excursion. Yeah.
0: Uh, no, I, uh, oh, you mean the, the aborted landings or aborted takeoffs? I've probably been collectively on about eight of those. Okay. And that's that's a little unnerving. That surprises me because
1: those are fairly common,
0: right? Uh, eight, eight, eight or nine's enough for me, right?
1: <laughs> what was yeah, that like? Uh,
0: that, um, well, the first time it was like, what the heck? Now, the now, the, the uh, ironically, probably the second or third commercial flight I took was one of the most dangerous ones I had. It was out of Chicago. It was a, a it was a. a DC-10 back in the day and it was on its way to Portland and not too far take takeoff, it made a really, really sharp turn where I felt I almost fell out of my seat. Mm. Then the pilot came on back and says, he says, well, a little too close to another plane. I mean, you got to understand, at that point in my life, I was still scared to death to fly. Mm. I was scared to death to fly. Mm. I mean, I, I used to get prepared before I got on a flight if you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I used to get like really prepared even if it took 151, mm-hmm. I got prepared to fly. Mm-hmm. One time on a flight from LA to San Diego, they 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 delayed the flight four times because engine problems. Now, if you're afraid to fly and there's engine problems, you're really afraid to fly. I'm I'm over the, over the wing and all of a sudden I was listening to my Sony Discman back then, right. And the, the the tape the tape ended, and right when the tape ended, I woke up. I looked over the wing. It's dark at night, and then the wing I see going back and forth and back and forth as we approach the ground quickly. And I'm going, I I stood up and screamed, "Holy shit, we're all gonna die!" Not a good move. <laughs> that was not a good move. And so, uh, I, I'm not afraid to fly at all. I'm literally a not i I just have no fear it's like if there's really bad turbulence it's just a disney ride put another quarter in and go around one more time i have no fear of flying no fear whatsoever anymore
1: that's good to hear jason you had a close call once
2: um yeah so i'm i'm lucky that i started my career uh i was working at boeing up in everett where they make all the wet body aircraft and i'm an engineer so i know Mm -hmm. how they're made and i know what they're capable of and none of that concerns me and then i'm a private pilot as well so i know you know what's standard and what's not standard and uh, we were right. flying in on a crj 200 into chicago and we were about 1100 feet up and, and this was during a time where for an entire year i carried this gps tracker this was probably like 2010 where i would track our speed and our altitude our heading and i put it all on google earth because google earth had just come out a few years earlier and i was like obsessed with just making a map of every flight i'd been on and so I had data to back this up, but we were at uh, 1,100 feet, and I could just tell that we we're much slower than we needed to be. And hmm. I heard there's uh, I was I was up in first, and I could hear some audible callouts in the cockpit. Um, oh wow! And like went, a winch here, and then I heard the six the sh- stick shaker, which is indicative of you're about to stall. And yeah. then our nose dropped about 45 right. degrees, and the pilots. Oh pushed the the throttles forward and recovered and then we went around and I think the guy just was doing too much wasn't paying attention to his speed and we stalled and when you stalled 1100 feet that can be that's it that can be very dangerous very quickly because it doesn't take long to get down there so that was really close I I stayed on board afterwards because I wanted to talk to the pilot and see what happened and you know they always open the door as people are going away and that door was shut Mm -hmm. the entire time I think those pilots realized that Uh, they really messed up and that we had a really close call there. Um, But I went back and I looked at the GPS data and sure enough, like it it had matched all that stuff. So that was a little scary.
1: Wow. No kidding. You, you've both have been flying for quite some time. And uh, I think I, I read that Tom, you joined mileage plus in 1982 and just kind of getting into loyalty. Actually, before I go much further, I know you've you've flown 22 million miles. Is that all with United?
0: No, I got a million on American and okay. then a, a little over a million on about 65 different airlines combined. Okay, so, so you have
2: it, you've got a little bit of a mix at least. Well, no, yeah, I thought
0: yeah, I thought
2: you've done yeah. 22 on United plus the million on the others plus.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, uh, plus a million on American plus a million on yeah, so you've miscellaneous done, airlines.
1: Oh wow! So you've done like 25 almost 24 total
0: yeah yeah but on united it's 22 um yeah so and that's that's the mothership that's the one i yeah i really keep track of so
1: what what are what are some of the uh, just kind of getting in like i said more to the loyalty and and points and miles stuff now i mean what are some of the crazier things that they've done for you i mean you, you obviously have global services both of you and that's kind of a status tier that's very very elite um they'll kind of do anything for you so what what have been some of the times where they've done things that really impressed you
0: obviously the 10 million mile party was just just unbelievable They, i I, you know i did the numbers they had to spend a quarter million dollars on that party and that was i mean they i mean the signage alone was probably about uh forty thousand dollars just in signage Mm -hmm. right it was it was amazing and then they have um and they brought they found out what my favorite foods are from around the world and they flew in all my favorite foods, foods from all these different first class lounges and stuff
1: oh that's really cool
0: and a lot, a lot of the gifts they gave me um one was a hardcover book that literally listed every single united flight i was on it would say the date you know from here to there and that many miles and every time i hit a million milestones they 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 logged it they put it specially in, in the book what they did and it's it's not the the price of the gifts it's just it's because all the price all the gifts were priceless including having me throw out the first pitch of the cubs game and i'm a cub freak
1: i heard about that really cool
0: yeah, and i mean it That's was thoughtfulness the thing about united because they're my family, all right? Mm-hmm. They're my extended family. I love these people. They're, the, the things they do for me uh, on on a day-to-day basis, I mean, the things they do for me, they, they watch my back. And it's not just me, it's the, like the global service especially. I mean, you know, Jason could be up in the air and if there's a problem with his connection flight while he's in the air they're on the ground fixing things and they're meeting him at the gate mm-hmm. and meeting me or him with with boarding passes to another flight that makes makes our travel seamless starting about four or five m- million miles ago they gave me a nice windbreaker that says like 16 mile 16 million 17 million 18 million so they'd be giving me this and then when i hit 20 million they gave me a pilot's jacket, the you know the bombardier jacket. That's type. Cool.
2: That weighs like uh, forty-three and it, pounds. <laughs> uh,
0: it, and and it does. It weighs so much. I'm <laughs> trying to tell you to work but out. <laughs> it, yeah, but it is it is so so cool. I mean, and, and they they met me at the gates on on different occasions and
1: driven you to planes on the tarmac. And-
0: yeah, I mean, and, and and every million they usually throw a little party in the, in the lounge with the staff and everything, and it just. Uh, it, it, this, uh like i said it, over the years i've seen so many I've, I've known so many pilots that have retired i've been at the retirement where the, where they do the um, you know the fire engines you know the where they do that kind of stuff that's awesome just yes. the things that they do to me on a day-to-day basis is like i said i'm treated like family and it's it's so so humbling. It really is.
1: Well, that's awesome. And you've used your miles for some pretty amazing things. I know you were on an episode of Seinfeld, and based on what I know from brief discussions with Jason, um, there's some some things up in the air you haven't been able to do yet. You haven't taken a, a shower on an A three eighty. Is that right?
0: No. No. Um I I I tried to take a shower in the bathroom of a first class uh, airplane, but uh, (laughs) you you really have to squirt it in the right way to get the shower, you know, uh, out of the faucet. It's a little different. Yeah, yeah. Jason Jason rubs it. rubs it in because he's he's been on the first the first class lounge a first class plane on uh, I I think on Emirates and Singapore and stuff, but uh, you know I'm a I'm a loyalist. I mean I. I've been in some really nice first class lounges, like the like the Hahn Lounge in um, in Germany. That, that's amazing first class mm-hmm. lounge. But I gotta tell you, I am a fan of the Polaris. Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait till they bring it back to uh, to normal. Right. I mean, I I I do love my Polaris lounge. Yeah, yeah those are amazing. I, oh, and they got the best doggone burger you could ever It's imagine. Really
1: good. It's it's actually super oh. impressive. I, I'm I was so oh, impressed. Oh,
0: that burger is killer.
1: Yeah. I had I had the one in San Francisco, but I have to imagine you earned so many miles that it's probably not worth the trouble to try to get the quote unquote best redemption. What's your process for using them?
0: Well, you you know, the best redemption is always going to be flying. right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and it always is. But I've used it. And I got to say special shout out. To Luke Bondar, the president of, of Mileage Plus, who him and his team have done an unbelievable year after year after year being rated the number one frequent flyer program. And there's plenty of reasons for that. I mean, I, I've i probably taken at least a half a dozen luxury cruises on Crystal and Seabourn uh, with my miles. Oh, cool. I've, uh, I've, I've stayed at luxury hotels around the world with my miles. I've I've got a zillion rent-a-cars I've used with miles because they're really, really good value online for the dollar with your miles for Mm rent-a-cars. So rent-a-cars, hotels, uh, cruises, auctions, all the auctions, the mileage plus exclusives. If if your readers don't know about it, now there's nothing on the site right now for obvious reasons. But when things get back to some sort of normal. I mean, sweets at football games and baseball games and hockey games and sporting events and special events like wine wineries and just unbelievable trips of a lifetime they have on that.
1: Jason, you have more experience with some of those?
0: i
2: i i really like the miles um experiences that they put forth tom does a lot of the auction based stuff and i don't even try because i know he's just gonna outbid me because he outbids everybody um so good luck to anybody ever trying to trying to win an <laughs> auction but um they do since so, I,
0: when, when you got 15 million miles you could win most of any auction you want <laughs> you know
2: yeah but you're buying something like a tv for 2 million miles. Cause you're like, I'm going to win it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, am you know, I, since I live it's in like a hub city in, in, in Los Angeles, they do yeah. a lot of really cool events. Um, sometimes it's with their co-branded, um, Visa card. And sometimes it's just because it's, you know, like a 1k global service thing, but you know, they'll rent out a, a restaurant at the top of a tall building, like a 71 and above was one that was really cool that they did mm-hmm. in LA. And it's, it's a pretty small intimate experience, but it's, it's nice. You come in, there's servers with champagne and hors d'oeuvres and you'll have, you know, a a meal with a sommelier who's going to pair it with six different wines. Um, or like I did a new year's Eve thing that they threw. That was a lot of fun. And, and typically it's like 10,000 miles or something to go to this. And this normally would be probably a three or $400 experience. So if you're spending $10,000, or sorry, 10,000 mm. miles to, to get into that. It's it's really cool. Plus, That's good one of diet. my favorite parts about it is the networking, because especially when it's uh, when it's like a, a GS or 1K event, everyone there is pretty psyched to be there, and they're pretty psyched about United. Right. So you, unlike a normal party, you can go up to anybody and just talk about you know, how many miles did you do last year? And, you know, what do you think of United? Right. And what do you think of the 787? And it's, uh, yeah. it's a cool icebreaker. And I've actually made up quite a few friends at these events who, um, you know, like I, uh, I, I'm i in aerospace. And uh, I met this guy who is uh, a GS and he goes to Germany all the time for uh, working with the, the German Space Association. And he is at NASA. So mm-hmm. he's brought me over. He brought me over and showed me the Mars 2020 rover about a year and wow. a half ago. I, and that That's just really launched. Cool. Recently. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was able to get down there and, and see that. And this is all because of this mileage plus experiences. So I think that's a really good redemption value as well. But uh, like Tom's saying, I mean, you can't beat the redemption of, of first class flights. Right. Especially if you can transfer them to other to Like, I, you know, I have a lot of United Miles as well. But like uh, when I did that A380 uh, Emirates first class, mm-hmm. I used Starwood points to transfer to Alaska. And then from Mm -hmm. Alaska, I used it and I booked, you know, what would have been $50,000 worth of flights for like 280,000 miles or something at the time. So that's, that's really really the best value if you can do it.
1: I mean, you both must have really pretty impressive stats with hotels as well. Are you as loyal to a certain hotel group?
0: Well, I'm, I'm lifetime diamond on, on Hilton. I'm lifetime platinum on Marriott. I'm lifetime global, whatever on Hyatt. Uh, So I, it just, yeah, yeah. Pretty much got those, but <laughs> over the last several years, uh, it's mostly uh Four Seasons, Ritz Carlton, mm-hmm. uh, Oberoi. Uh, when I travel, I'm, I'm I guess the, the wife set the bar a little higher over the last <laughs> several years, so uh, yeah, there you go, a little a high maintenance, a little high maintenance there, but uh, but I, I've got my favorite places to go to in the world, and like I said, I one cha- one chapter in my book is going to be just on the honeymoons I've taken mm-hmm. and all the great places that I recommend and everything. So as far as hotels, the Hilton. Let's see, yeah, Hilton used to run contests. Like Hilton, when Hilton was only two hundred and ninety-four properties, when it was only Hilton mm-hmm. before before uh, Embassy Suites and 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 Hampton and all those, they ran a promotion. Whoever went, whoever stayed at the most different Hiltons in 90 days, got a free Chrysler, any car you want from Chrysler. And they gave out one every quarter. So wow. so every whoever did the most in the quarter, and I said, okay, I'm just going to go for it the first quarter and knock it off because I can't do it in the summer because I got kids and I can't be away from the kids all the time. So I, they had 284 properties. And so I went to the most Hiltons in 90 days. I went to Seventy-nine Hiltons in ninety days, <laughs> and and it was that was insane because thirteen of them were in Chicago where I live. I would come home on a Friday, on the way home I would check into a Hilton, just sit, watch TV a little bit for a half hour, catch the news, and then and then check out and go home. But I mean, I would I, I, like I, I was in Hawaii, I'd say, honey, I I gotta go to Turtle Bay for the night and and check in there. And tomorrow I got to fly over to Kona to stay at the Hilton there. And we just, so I did some crazy things. Those are and crazy things. So I, I, but I, but I, I want a free car. Now United back in the eighties had a contest where they introduced, they were the first, first airline to fly to all 50 States. So they did a promotion. They said, if you did 50 States in 50 days, you got a free pass on the airline first class for a whole year so I did that, too. I mean, it was nuts. I mean, I was at a I was at a client in L.A., and I had to work there for three days. And after the first night, the the, the the auto dealer says, he says, I want to take you out to dinner t- tomorrow night. I said, I can't. I got to go to Hawaii. He goes, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're supposed to be here Thursday. I said, I, I will unless my plane's late, right? <laughs> and I, li- I literally got on a plane, went to Hawaii, jumped on another plane, came back shit shower and shave and I was back in the dealership <laughs> at, at eight thirty in the morning. Right. So I mean I did I did a lot of crazy things to win contests and stuff like that. So. Are
1: you willing to share how many miles you might earn in a typical year? Award miles.
0: Um uh it I think last year because of the one and a half million mm-hmm. I I earned uh 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 quite a bit quite a bit i mean uh, i i don't want to say the exact number but let's just say eh, several zeros you know a lot right it, it was a lot i just i mean if, if you're betting people if people would say that that'd be insane so
1: if you're betting two million on a tv at an auction i think we can kind well, of fill didn't in actually, the blanks not actually happen but i mean i wouldn't put past him
0: I literally, the only time I went crazy was on the Seinfeld show. I, I bid four hundred and fifty-one thousand miles to get on the Seinfeld show. And I said, I don't care. I'm gonna win this thing. And I, I think someone told me I, my bid was like a, over a hundred thousand miles more. <laughs> I mean, and here here and here and here's the funny part. Uh the, the advertising company that was promoting it called me the following day after the after the whole trip it said how did it go well uh, between you and me there was a couple hiccups <laughs> there was a screw up at the rena car there was a screw up at the hotel <laughs> so when they said they said how do you, uh, how was your trip I, I played a george costanza on them. i go i go hey don't worry about it it's it's not you it's me <laughs> you know it's you know and, and, and so what happened what happened so i told them the problems and they go we feel so bad so they called me the following day. and said, "We feel so bad about your bad experience. We're going to give you a two hundred fifty thousand miles back." <laughs> I said, "I said, uh, I said, okay, that's good, that's good. Yeah. Oh, you don't have to, you don't have to, but that's very, but that's that's why you guys are you guys. You're the best. Oh my gosh! You know, so I, I, I had a chance to meet George, uh, not George, Jason uh, Alexander. Had a chance to fly with him a couple times after mm. I got a chance to meet him at the at the thing. But the funny thing is, is part of the experience was I ate with the crew right before the final taping. Mm-hmm. And I walked out, I walked out with my wife and I'm standing in the hallway and then Jason Alexander comes out and I said, Jason, can I bother you for a photo? And, and he waves his hand like, Oh, sure. Sure. So I gave him my camera. I put my arm around my wife. I said, do you know how to work that thing? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and did he take a good picture?
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know. He, he he looked at me. I said, "No, I already know what you look like, Jason." <laughs> this is
1: kind of a bizarre question, but how do you feel about traveling to space? Would you like to do that?
0: If, if Jason flies with me, okay, uh, because because <laughs> uh, I I I got to have somebody with me that I feel totally comfortable with that can explain what the hell's going on, and uh, because Jason is, Jay, I know, Jay, I know if you ask Jason, he'd say, "Sign me up! I'm, I'm on the next right. flight," because he would. He would. Jason, am I right? Absolutely. I mean,
2: so much so that I quit my job in marketing and moved to the middle of the desert to work as an aerospace engineer on uh, Spaceship Two, which is Virgin Galactic's uh, suborbital spacecraft.
0: Yeah, I'd go go if Jason, if it was Jason... But I'm not. I'm not spending Lance Bass type of money to do it. Would he pay 20 million to go on this uh, thing? Yeah, they've they've so, paid
2: between 20 and 75 million through Company uh, called Space Adventures in, in no. Virginia if, if, to if broker I could do a seat it for on a Soyuz miles
0: uh, out of my account.
2: No, you mm-hmm. can't use miles.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'll spend I'll spend a million miles, and that's about well, as well. You know, as okay. back in the <laughs> 90s, U.S. Air had
2: a award. And it was a trip to space before you could even go to space. But they were like, yeah. going to give it to you in the future. And I think it was like a million miles or something. I remember being, mm. I don't know, I was probably 16 or 17. But I remember seeing the signs and I was like, I am going to do that. I'm going yeah. to save up miles. I don't know how I'm going to get a million miles. That's ridiculous. Um, but I wonder if anybody actually did that and if they're still yeah. owed. And, if you know, with the mergers, if they if they shed that debt or yeah, I, mm. I'd be curious to know if anybody took
1: advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting.
0: Well, I mean, I, I, of course, uh, will there be sleeper seats? Is that, is
1: my first <laughs> oh, question. you're not sleeping, right. buddy. Trust me.
0: No, no, no. no not, not like that, that? On the way to space?
1: I, it's something I I would absolutely love to do. It's actually been a goal of mine for a while. But we're we're kind of running low on time. But I like to I like to get everybody's response to this last question, which is what impact has travel had on you? And beyond that, what impact do you believe travel has on the world?
0: Travel has given me the opportunity to see so much of the world, so many different people. It's been the journey and the destination. I've, I've really met so many great people and had so many great experiences in the air, but yet the countries I've gone to, the people I've met, the places I've seen, the things I've experienced, it's just just something that most people could only dream of, and my dreams have come true through travel. I mean, I've had such a great, great experience and, and to be able to share that with my wife and family and close friends has been a phenomenal experience. Awesome. I really believe that travel is so good for people's perspective. You know, when you think our country's screwed up and, and we do have our problems. Man, I just go to some third world country, go to Africa, go to India, do, do, do some of the things and experience some of the things that I have and so many other people have had to put their lives in so much better of a perspective. It's un, unbelievable what the world can do to educate you as far as what we have, what we don't have, what other people don't have. It's just the history of Europe the poverty of third world countries, the amazement of a Dubai or Abu Dhabi. I mean, just it's unbelievable what our world shows us.
1: That's Tom Stuker. You can find him on Instagram at UA One Flyer or on some absurdly high percentage of United flights to Australia. Just don't ask him how things are going at the Mr. Potato Head factory. A special thanks to Jason Divineer for helping get the call set up on Tom's end and for joining the conversation. You can find him on Instagram at jdivineer. If you enjoyed the show or learned anything from it, it would be supremely awesome if you'd rate and review it or share with someone who might find it interesting. Doing so helps other people find these episodes. As always, feel free to reach out on social with any questions or comments. Once again, I'm your host, Ian O'Grimus, wishing you smooth travels. Peace!